sometimes. The best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And welcome to the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 249. As many of you know, I have just returned from the Augusta National Women's Amateur. What an incredible week. I don't even know where to start, which is why I'm not going to get into it just yet, other than to say congrats to Anna Davis, the champion, actually the youngest champion in the history of the Augusta National Women's Amateur at just 16 years old. So at present time, I'm currently working on a recap episode of my entire experience at the ANWA It'll be an episode that will be a little different than any other that you've listened to here at the back of the range. So make sure you stay tuned for that. There is so much mojo flying around these days. I will try and recap some of it here. First and foremost, how about those Kansas Jayhawks? Are you kidding me? National champions again. As many of you know, I went to Kansas. I have family and friends there. I still visit Lawrence regularly throughout the year. Um, Yeah, that game was very stressful to watch. We have suffered quite a bit of heartache in these big games, but really thrilled to see that they pulled it out. Also very happy for the KU men's golf team. I know that they were watching the game out there in Arizona at the Cowboy Classic. Luke Kluver, one of the guys on the team, he will be joining me on a future episode here at the back of the range, so don't miss that one. Just as the regular season is winding down and the postseason kicks in, Texas made a massive statement at the Augusta Haskins Award Invitational. They won the team title by 26 shots over their Big 12 rival, Oklahoma State. Pearson Cootie returns to action after an arm injury and wins the individual title. Four out of the five players for Texas finished in the top 10. So Texas has thrown their five-gallon hat into the mix of teams that will be likely heading to the postseason as national championship favorites. Another team on that list is Vanderbilt. They won their home tournament, the Mason Rudolph. Cole Sherwood picked up his second win of the season. That team is so deep, the only question that really remains for the Commodores is who's going to make the starting lineup for the postseason. Merch is being added to the store at thebackoftherange.com as we speak. Hoodies were recently added, and hoodies are running low. So if you want to get one, get one now. More hats and shirts are on the way. Visors, go check it all out, thebackoftherange.com. Leaving a review in Apple Podcast and Spotify is always appreciated. So uh, again, continue to support the Back of the Range. You know it means a lot to me. It's Masters Week, as you all know. Really happy for all of the amateurs getting to experience the Masters for the first time. Other than Stu, of course. This is his second go-around at Augusta National. I bumped into James Pyatt out there in the 18th green watching the end of the Anwa. And I saw Greaser and Hagestad working on the short game area before leaving Augusta National. Looks like they're all settling in. Mojo activated for all the amateurs as, as well as previous guests and friends of the back of the range. One of the amateurs, Aaron Jarvis, is my guest this week at the back of the range. Aaron is a freshman at UNLV, and he gained his invitation to this year's Masters after winning the Latin America Amateur Championship at Casa de Campo. Now, his name might not have been on the list of favorites heading into the championship, but he will be one from now on. 
Jarvis is the first Caribbean champion in the event's history, and he'll be the first golfer from the Cayman Islands to compete in the Masters. We spoke about his start in the game, the win that got him to the Masters, and how at just 19 years old, he understands the opportunity not just for him, but for the Cayman Islands to share the spotlight on the game's brightest stage this week. So let's get started. Aaron, welcome to the back of the range. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Ben? Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, everything's great on my end. Uh, you know, my world's pretty pretty consistent. Yours has gone nuts in the last, uh, last you know, several weeks. You're, you are the reigning Latin America amateur champion. We'll talk about what that means and what that is going to provide to you in the next few weeks and months. But, you know, the last time that I saw you was Terracotta Invitational last April. I was there for a couple days wow. um, for practice rounds. I, I couldn't stay for the whole tournament. I was on my way to the U.S. Women's Four Ball. But I remember seeing you, remember chatting, remember taking a few pictures, and you said, hey, man, I need those. Can you send me those pictures for my social media? I don't have any photos. I'm guessing that's not a problem for you anymore, is it? No, I mean, uh, I think uh, I have all the photos in the world now. Uh, <laughs> wow, time, time flies. I remember meeting you, Terracotta, almost two years ago now. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, I know. It's just crazy how time flies. And now we're here as the Latin American Amateur Champion. It's uh it's an incredible journey we're going to get into and talk a little bit about it today. I want to make sure people learn about not just the the win but also you and also where you come from. And you know, it's it's such a it, it's such an incredible story. I mean, you're you're from the Cayman Islands for people that don't know much about the Cayman Islands. I mean, it's you know, it's a British territory. It's three small islands in the in the Caribbean Sea. Let's let me just ask you briefly here. You're where where did you get your start in golf in the Caymans? How did golf become part of your life? So, Cayman hosted the 2013 Caribbean Junior Championship. And my older brother, he's four years older than me, was playing in the tournament. And then my dad was like, all right, let's just go out and um, come out and watch Aaron. So, I went out and watched. And then, next thing you know, a couple of days later, I'm swinging a golf club. And then from there, I was, I was 12 years old. And from there, I was just hooked into the game. It took me like a year or so to kind of figure out if I wanted to play or not because I was playing soccer growing up. And then from there, golf just took over, and that's how I got into the game. And then the guys here, the older guys, just kind of kept us uh, going because there's only one golf course on the island. So, well, one and a half. It's 18 and nine holes. So there's not much golf, but then it kept us uh, in the game. And the guys here welcomed us every single day. And from there, I just kept playing and developing here and it was uh pretty cool to just see how you can get younger kids involved and that's kind of my goal now going forward so uh, i'm glad you brought that, brought that up because most people are thinking okay well the caymans are small how many golf courses? so yeah you have one full you know size 18 hole golf course north sound golf club and you know what, what i understand and know about the caymans is tourism is basically one of the primary sources of revenue for the country. I mean, I think it's 70, 75% of your, your, the, the revenue in the country, it's due to tourism. And a lot of the tourists are, you know, coming from North America, it's more of a luxury market kind of thing. And, you know, that being said, you know, you could possibly expect the only golf course on the Island to not truly be concerned with junior golf. They would be concerned with taking care of these tourists. <laughs> so, 
Right. Right. Yeah. So, so how, like, talk to me about how North Sound was, I mean, this could have gone a different way if North Sound wasn't like, hey, get these kids out of here. We need to take care of the big spenders coming from, you know, Miami or, or L.A. or whatever. Talk to me about growing up at North Sound. Yeah, so, I mean, it was just, I mean, it's a, it's an island course, so it's not the longest course, but the wind is kind of the the only factor that can make it hard. So growing up in the wind here, just kind of learning how to play. Didn't really have many coaching um, with my brother. We just kind of learned how to play. And then, yeah, I mean, from there, it's just like, the, there's the Rich Carlton, which is a nine-hole golf course, which right. we don't get to play much because it's all for the tourists. Right. So then we just have North Sound Golf Club, which is just this standard 18-hole golf course. And it's, I mean, it's enough to get better each and every day. Um, I mean, you can get better on any golf course. So we just kind of took that mindset and just enjoyed it each and every day. I mean, obviously, we didn't have much, so we just had to work with what we had. Um, but, yeah, I mean, hopefully going forward, a few more golf courses can be built. Now, when you were at, at Casa de Campo for the Latin American Amber Championship, I've played there. Uh, I've been there. It's an incredible place. And, and just, you know, the range and the practice facilities are perfect. And, you know, they have that massive uh, short game area and the range is great. What was your practice setup at North Sound? I want to make sure people understand. Right. Right. I want. Yeah. I mean, people that say, hey, you know, this these mats are, <laughs> they're, are tough or this grass isn't great. These aren't. These aren't Pro V1 practice balls. Paint the picture <laughs> of what your practice setup was like at North Sound. For, the, for half the week, the range is on mats. So with balls that float in the water. So it's not the best. Uh, you don't want to be out there just beating balls because it's not the best thing to do, especially in this wind. So right. I played Latin America back in 2019 too. Right. Um, when it was back in Casa de Campo. So I kind of had a feeling of what, the course was like how it was playing the greens the greens are very similar okay um like chipping wise and like the grass so i spent a lot of time doing a short game um but then i was just on the course i was trying to hit shots that i would hit um at casa de campo with teeth of dogs like trying to just do the same thing but just at north sound so i would go out certain holes and say 16 at casa was like 200 yard par three we have a 200 yard par three here over water too so i'm just trying to like mimic the same uh, shots that I'm going to hit. But besides that, you can't, honestly, you can't do much because there's, you just go out and play golf and try to grind out certain things. I'll play games on the course to where it'll make scoring a lot harder for me. So I'll do like eliminator where I eliminate one side of the golf course, do stuff like that to kind of prepare my mind. And But I mean, just did a bunch of short game because the range isn't, isn't the best. You don't have pro V's. It's not like it's the best grass. Yeah. So from there, it's just playing golf. That's really what I did to prepare for this well, golf tournament. Well, it's a great point because the more I'm thinking about it, if you don't have range balls that are actually somewhat similar to the ball you're going to play in competition, you you can't yeah. you can't flight a seven iron and 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 do you know work the ball left to right or right to left. You can't get the same thing you would have on the golf course. So. Yeah, uh, beating balls that don't react the way a normal golf ball does, that's not going to help you. So your your practice, it sounds like your practice approach has always been to go play rather than just hit balls. For sure. I mean, I think that's what my coach wants me to do anyways. I mean, just go on the golf course because you're going to learn more on the golf course than you will on the range. And the golf balls here, just they go 20% shorter and they just 
spin up in the air. So it's not like going on the range and right. trying to fly it. It's not the best thing to do. So just going out there and hitting multiple shots in the course was really uh, what I did. And obviously it's similar conditions like weather-wise, climate, the wind. So just being on the golf course was my best preparation. Talked about your coach. I want to, uh, you know, you you left the Caymans for high school to go to the Ledbetter uh, Academy uh, in Florida. And, you know, I, I'd like you, you to kind of explain the origin of you uh, getting there because, you know, when most people maybe think of some of these, uh, you know, specialized schools, whether it's IMG, Ledbetter, whatever you want to call it, um, they actually came to the Caymans to support the junior program. Yeah. So it wasn't just like you pulled up a website and said, Oh, I want to go there. Uh, that's where I'm going to get better. This is probably, I mean, in 2017, this really, this probably changed your life. I mean, yeah, this changed your life, didn't it? Yeah. So this was back in the day. Um, our president of the Cayman Island Golf Association got in contact with, uh, Chema, the director, and they started coming down here and then they came down for a few times, and that's when my parents were like, okay, let's talk to them more about me going to the academy in Orlando. And then I ended up there my junior and senior year of high school. Uh, worked with Zach Parker, and I still work with him right now. I'm in a pretty good situation, so it's all good. What was your – I mean, I'm guessing this had to be a little bit of a culture shock and some sort of a um, – I mean, gosh, this, this had to have been just incredible for you to come in going from where you were in the Caymans to this, this, I mean, I wouldn't say a pressure cooker, but man, it is a, has to be a very intense environment of not only school, but also golf. Like what was your initial reaction to just this new environment? Right. So, I mean, I, obviously I've been to Florida a bunch of times and played tournaments and stuff like that. But like, I think the school part was pretty easy because I did a pretty tough, um, education here in the Cayman Islands, just the British system, and then going to the American system wasn't that bad. Um, but I think, like, the training aspect of it was a lot um, and hard to adjust because we trained every day yeah, from 2, two o'clock to sunset, did workouts and stuff like that. So it was like, it wasn't easy to do school and then train for that long um, all afternoon. But then I got used to it and then started getting in shape, working out there, and then I I mean, it was good because it allowed me to just golf and work on all things and at once, right? But here, I just couldn't really do that. We just went out and played and didn't really have a schedule. We just kind of had fun. But it was good, like, in a way to allow me to um, shape my golf game into where it needed to go, um, which was a whole, like, the whole goal of me going to the academy. So, I mean, I, I it was definitely worth it. I wouldn't... uh regret going there it was definitely the one of the best two years of my life and changed it forever so it was pretty good yeah and i'm guessing that is what and we'll talk a little bit about unlv where you're playing collegially right now we'll talk about that a little bit later but yeah i'm guessing your high school experience really without that it doesn't get you set up to succeed in college because that's another level of of involvement and another level of of you know have to be hyper focused because again you you have classes you have travel you have uh, the golf to take care of. So, um, you know, one thing leads to another. Me going to the academy, it allowed me to focus on multiple things and deal with adversity, which you deal with in college, which I've had to deal with already. Um, so it just, it was good preparation for that. And then what 
going to college was actually a pretty easy adjustment. Yeah. Wasn't much I had to do or change. I just had to go in and just get used to the school and that was it. So it was good. Um, I'm glad I went to the golf academy. It was good, uh, preparation for me. So I, I attended the 2020 Latin America amateur championship of my Coba and I've made this, I've made this point on previous episodes, you know, the, yes, the winner does get the spoils. They gets the master's exemption and the open championship, you know, Abel Gallegos, he received the same things that you're going to receive this year, but this, you know, championship is so much more, you know, there are players in this field that are teeing it up, representing their, their home countries. And truthfully, some just, you know, they're not at the level of an elite amateur like yourself or, or Mateo from Arkansas or Perico, and we can go down the yeah. list. But they are, you know, for the week, they are the golf ambassadors for their entire country. And <laughs> did you meet anyone there at Casa de Campo that made – kind of a real profound impact on you not not so much on the golf course i mean everyone you know you're surrounded by the best collegiate players all the time but did you meet anyone there that really kind of put things in perspective for you like wow this is a big deal obviously they don't pair the cayman islands with the best uh the biggest countries in the world okay or in south america right but we got paired with like kind of random central america um, South American countries and so just playing with those countries and just these guys coming out here, obviously the skill level probably isn't as good as us, but it's like, they just, um, they treat this tournament like the world and it, it means so much to them representing their country and they're out here just enjoying it, having the best time in their lives. So us playing with those countries, those people just made me realize like how grateful I am for this tournament. Um, that was my mindset throughout the whole tournament too. So I played with, a guy from, I believe it was Honduras, the first two days. and um, He was just such a great guy. I mean, kind of older amateur, not yeah. the best. But knowing that he was representing his country just meant so much. And then I just had that mindset going into the final two days. And it just kept me, like, patient and had having the right mindset the whole time. So that was good to um, experience. And then, obviously, I experienced that back in 2019, too, when I played at Teeth of the Dog for Latin America as well. Obviously, you want to go into every single tournament thinking you have a chance to compete, but like you said, you're you're going in and you're facing some of the best amateurs in the world, and you know it's all about mindset. It's all about your approach. But you know what was your mindset going in? Did you feel that you had a legitimate chance to win? Did you feel that it was, hey, I'm just representing the Caymans? You know what was your approach heading into this tournament? So this tournament, back in my mind, I knew I had a chance to win this golf tournament. Okay. Um, after playing it in 2019, they didn't play it in 2020. Um, I knew I had extra motivation coming into this tournament, playing one semester of college. I've learned a lot about playing with um, the best college players uh, in the U.S., and I knew coming here I just had to have a good game plan, right mindset. But you don't have to play spectacular golf. You don't have to go out there and, try something new that you never done. So I just stuck to my game and I knew I had a chance um, coming into this, this tournament. And I was almost like, I was under, I was like the underdog kind of under the radar. No one really was thinking about us. Um, they were just thinking about all the top um, Latin America guys. And that was also good for me because it was less pressure. I just had to go in and just 
come from behind and just play my game. So that was a, uh, but yeah, I knew just, I knew I was good enough to good enough as these top uh, Latin America guys in college. So I just had to come in with that mindset, knowing that I could win this golf tournament. Well, you know, this is, like I said, it's just, it's an incredible uh, championship that brings a lot of these countries together, a lot of these players together. And you end up, you know, winning this with, you know, 69 final round. You had to kind of wait for a couple of players to come in. There's these great photos and videos of the reaction of you, you know, waiting to see if your, your seven under is going to hold up. And it ultimately does. And, um, you know, you're, <laughs> you have this, this time to kind of let this soak in. I mean, you know, everyone is like I said, has a little bit more pride that week and you're carrying the flag of, of you know, of the Cayman Islands. Do you remember maybe a couple of days after you got home when this really sunk in? So after the tournament, I went straight back to college. Um, flew right back there. <laughs> That's probably the best thing for you. Yeah, it was like, it was pretty chaotic. And then I had to do a bunch more like interviews and stuff like that. But it was like, it kicked in probably a few days when I got back and it was like, oh my God, like, what did I just do? Like, I couldn't even think, like, after the final group finished and then the media, whatever, the presentation, just they just took me away for, like, five hours. And then <laughs> it just didn't even hit for, like, almost a week probably, Ben. It just took so long to settle in. And, and then coming back here, I came in last Thursday, and coming here just made me realize, like, how much big of how big of a deal it is for the Cayman Islands and myself because everyone here is just going crazy and the support that I get is uh pretty surreal. You know, as many people know, amateurs are provided a few visits to Augusta National before they they play in the Masters to basically get the oh my god I'm at Augusta National moment you know out of the way <laughs> so you don't actually have a meltdown you know while you arrive during tournament week. So yeah, I, I'm guessing you've already been there, correct? I have. I have five practice days, and I've been out. I went out about a month ago. I went for two days to kind of take away that awe factor and the whole, like, shock of Augusta National. Um, obviously, I got some work in, too, in the course, but it's sure. nice that I get to go out there before, so it's like I get to get used to the environment. Obviously, when the tournament comes, it's going to be thousands of people, but I just got to think to myself, like, it's just another golf tournament. Um, and then I'm going out there next week as well not next week two weeks i'm gonna go out for three more days with uh my swing coach and college coach and get more prepping before the tournament so the everyone has that first moment when they walk when they go into augusta national um was it uh, and the course is obviously not going to play the same now as it is you know during the masters what uh, what was your takeaway what was maybe one of your special moments there that i mean obviously you gotta you, you know playing you know the par 312 and obviously you know 15 and i mean there's the the there's the things on the golf course that are iconic but um i'm sure they gave you a little bit of a tour of of the clubhouse they they sh they showed you a few things i'm guessing oh yeah they showed me everything um and it was just unbelievable just starting off with driving down magnolia lane was just pretty crazy i just couldn't even think like we were here like it was just <laughs> my mind was just so blown and then Honestly, I think my favorite thing besides the golf course was the media center was just huge, and the range was just the range was just unbelievable. Yeah, they don't use float. They don't they don't use floaters at Augusta National, do they? 
They do not use floaters at Augusta <laughs> National Golf Club. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, just the whole place was just mind-blowing. I, I don't really have a specific part that kind of stood out to me. Just everything was just like, oh, my God, I'm here. Now, you have set up for yourself through this win at, at the LAC, you have your exempt into the Masters. You're going to the Open Championship at, at St. Andrews. You're playing in the USAM, British Am. You're through to sectional qualifying for the US Open. That all being said, it's only natural for anyone, forget about how young or old they would be, it would be only natural for your mind to just race and think about all the things that are coming to you this year. Yeah. How, what kind of conversations have you had with your parents, your coaches? How do you keep present and let those things come to you, which they have, you know, inevitably will let them come to you instead of chasing them. Who around you is keeping you on planet earth, so to speak? I mean, that's a, yeah, that's a great question. Cause it's just, it's so like coming from myself. It's just so hard to not think about what's coming up. Um, just my coach, all my coaches, mental coach, strength coach, AJ, uh, college coach, and my parents just kind of like, they keep reminding me like, Hey Aaron, just try staying in the presence. Just kind of take day by day, doing what you could do to work on your golf game to get better. And from there, it's just like, I got to almost train myself to kind of prepare and just stay in the present because it's just so hard to not, to not think about what's coming up. So yeah. also to, I'm actually, I'm in the Cayman Lines right now. And then next week I'm going to go to Orlando to train for a week or so with my coach before going to Augusta for a few days to practice. But, we have at UNLV, we have one more um, collegiate event next week, the NIT in Arizona, but I'm not going to play that event because I was speaking to my coach and myself. And if I went there and I couldn't have my mind 100% for the team and be ready for that, I didn't, it probably wasn't the best option for me because I don't want to go to the tournament. And then all I'm thinking about is the Masters coming up in a week and a half. So, sitting down with coach and my swing coach and we just thought about like, Hey, I think it's best for you to train instead of playing in this college event, which I agreed with because I played two college events after, um, the Latin America. I'd say, all right, didn't play my best, but it was, it was just so hard for me during the round to not think about what's coming up. Right. So spoke to my college coach and he was like, Aaron, you have an opportunity coming up that not many people get in, in this world. So I think it's best that you just miss the next one and focus on what you got to do for the Masters coming up. So stuff like that. And then just trying to stay humble, um, get my mind right for the tournament coming up. Well, that's very wise of you and very wise of of, of Coach McInerney at, at UNLV because, yeah, like you said, to, to have you out there, I mean, gosh, you know, who who can blame anyone in this situation? You're you're going to be thinking about what's what's coming up and – you know, you gotta have five. Right. You gotta have five guys that are that are trying to to get a win for the team. Um, how speaking of the team, I, I was out at the Southwestern Invitational and I saw the UNLV team out there playing, and I just was like, "Hey, you know, you know, what about Jarvis?" And the guys were all just really excited for you. How have the guys on the team treated you? I mean, it, it, it's gotta be pretty incredible, not just for the Cayman Islands, but for UNLV golf. This is big yeah. for the program. Yeah, I think it, it means a lot to the school, and they've showed it to me. Um, even when I first got back there straight after the tournament, 
all the congratulations I got from the school and the support that I've had. It means a lot, and it's a chance for me to um, go out and play well in these events and kind of put UNLV back up there on the collegiate side of things because we haven't had the best uh, season so far as a team. So hopefully um, by me playing well in these tournaments coming up can uh, allow for UNLV to get back on the radar. But, uh, I mean, it's just overall the teammates have just been very supportive. Uh, they mean the world to me and the coaches and everyone there has been a uh, pretty uh special now they're still treating you like a freshman that you are though right i mean they're still they're <laughs> yeah okay good they're not i mean i mean they, i'm guessing they've already put in their order for the stuff they want from augusta national i mean you're you're, you're really just going there to shop for them and then play a little golf right <laughs> pretty much yeah i'm still a freshman so they still uh i still got my freshman duties uh on the team that's that's awesome yeah i would make sure when you come back anytime they ask you to do something just make sure you're wearing an augusta national hat or a shirt or something <laughs> like that so just just make you just you know subtly remind them every day you know put a actually i, I would make sure that you always have augusta national golf tees in your pocket <laughs> and just you know kind of you know drop a couple out on the table oh i'm sorry let me just pick that up i apologize um yeah. no so i mean i agree because it's like if if they try to roast me or do anything like that, I'll be like, hey, like, hey, hey, come on now. Like, yeah, exactly. I'll just pull out a team and be like, hey, here you go, man. Yeah, I just I, or just something like actually, you know, you know what's funny here? Hold this tea. This is the one that uh, you know, actually Dustin Johnson gave me these or um yeah, Justin Thomas. Yeah, I, I found yeah, I was you know, yeah, every conversation that I would have with your team for the rest of the year would be like you know, I was talking to Hideki, and you'll never guess what he told me. Like, just little stuff like that, just every time. That'd be great. Yeah. Well, I met, um, when we had the Southern Highlands Collegiate uh, practice round, I met Mark O'Meara. Um, yeah. I had a good talk with him. And he said he would be out there all week, and um, anything I need, he'll be there to help me out. And <laughs> stuff like that is really cool to <laughs> learn from the best. And, it's, I mean, it's just going to be a... I'm going to do the best I can to go up to most pros and ask as many questions as I can. So, uh, it'll be a cool experience. That's awesome, man. Well, I, it's a great, it's a great story that you have. And that was the one thing that really struck me about the lack is, is like you said, you're, you were paired with, with a guy in the first two rounds older. I mean, that's the one thing I want to make sure people understand. It's not just college hot shots from these countries that are playing. I mean, there are, I remember a guy, I think I remember a guy that was probably in his 50s or 60s from from Haiti, I think. And, I mean, yeah. there are guys there that, look, they are. this is their opportunity to represent their country. They're, they're not going to win. But they are. They walk out of there as if they did walk out with a trophy. It's incredible. It's so cool to see because everyone just has a great time. Yeah. Like, no matter if they play good or bad, it's like, you just can't get mad when you're playing in Latin America. It's just the whole vibe, the whole atmosphere is just, it's just my favorite tournament of the year. Cause it's just, everyone's on good terms. It's not like, like it's obviously there's like bigger, like there's like the USA and stuff like that. Right. It's different. Like the atmosphere is different in Latin America. And it just, you can see that as soon as you uh, walk in and register and it's like, okay, this is, cool place yeah i i really think that tournament is more i mean yes like we've said someone's going to get the trophy and this year it's you but i think that championship has so much more to offer um and i think it, it just it's it it means a lot more oh yeah and i think like going forward hopefully uh 
came out and because we have a few more guys ranked and a few more amateur guys, but we don't we only have two spots. So hopefully going forward we can get a a few more spots and get um like four of us going to Latin America. That will slowly uh keep growing the game here and then it's just I guess countries like that, like us, smaller countries try to do the same, which Latin America gives us the opportunity to do that. Yeah, next year's Puerto Rico, and and you being as young as you are, this has to be. I mean, you get you're playing in this for the next several years. I would imagine this has to be. I mean, yeah, you have the USAM, you have other uh, championships, but to be able to go back and defend your title, let's actually fast forward to that. I know you got a lot this year, but yeah, allow yourself to enjoy the fact that next year in Puerto Rico, you get to be the defending Latin America amateur champion. Right, That's and great. I think. Uh, I'm going to have, like, me going to Puerto Rico, I'm still going to have that mindset of going out and trying. I'm trying to win it again. Yeah. Like, there's no other mindset. Like, I just won it last year. I know I can go out and uh, win it again. And I've been to Puerto Rico a few times to play golf there. So it's uh, going to be an opportunity for me to play with the – probably get paired with some better guys and go out there and just play my game and try and win this thing again. So I'm looking forward to that. I'll get you out of here with this last question. Who has been someone that you've met since you've won that you still are kind of shaking your head thinking, I, I can't believe I'm having this conversation right now. So I met uh, Charlie Hoffman and Ryan Moore um, and Mark Romero. I think those three guys, I met Ryan Moore. As soon as I got back, I went out to Shadow Creek the other, like the next day. He was out there and I spoke to him for a good hour with his coach. And then the advice he gave me, I was like, well, this guy was, like, one of the best amateurs of all time. Yeah. I had the best amateur, like, here, right? Like, at UNLV, winning all the amateur events, playing the Masters and all that stuff. So, I was like, this is a good opportunity for me to learn as much as I can because he did it. Now I got to learn from him so I could do it. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, there's been a bunch of other um, important people, but I think those – three kind of stood out so i'm looking forward to hopefully playing a practice round with adam scott as well another guy there you go yeah yes sir so that'll be uh cool to see what's coming up so hopefully i can get uh hopefully tigers there too that'll be that'll be pretty cool if tigers out there that would be incredible if tigers there i think everyone wants to see him there at least for for you know whether if he's not playing just to hopefully be there and be part of masters week that would be incredible and I have no shame, so hopefully I can stay <laughs> there. I'm going to try and go up to him. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You're like... I, I got to try and talk to the GOAT. So, I mean, if he's there, I'll, I'm, I'm going to find any way I can to speak to that speak to Tiger. Hey, why, why wouldn't you? I mean, you're 19, 20 years old? Yeah, I'm 19, so I got... I, got, I mean, hey... <laughs> I gotta do it. Go, go, be nineteen, man. Go say hi. Go, you know. Actually, it'd be really. I mean, I know you probably can't do this, but it'd be really cool to to bring, like, you know, most people sign Masters flags. It'd be very cool to have a, a Cayman Islands flag and have some players sign that. Oh, I didn't think about that. Uh, there's gonna be a we're, we're bringing flags there for sure. That's what you get here, man. I mean, I'm here for you. I mean, that free. I mean, yeah, I would totally do that. I mean. That's a memory you're going to have for your entire life. And, I mean, everyone's got a master's flag with some signatures on it. Bring a Cayman Islands flag. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's what I will be doing now. I think um, I think myself and even our government would love if I did that. So that's uh, – I just noted that in my phone. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> and any, anything for you, man. Well, Aaron, I appreciate the time. I, you know, I know you're relaxing and trying to just, you know – 
kind of get back to normal down there in the Caymans. Next time we do this episode, by the way, don't you think it'd be a lot better if I was down in the Cayman Islands with you? It'd be more personal, don't you think? Oh, yeah, we're going to do it right on the beach. Uh, we will have uh, the best time of our lives. You, you, need, you will be coming here, Ben, next time. All right. Done deal. Um, well, I appreciate the time. Uh, enjoy this year. Let it come to you. Don't chase it. It's all going to be there for you. I'm sure I'll be seeing you uh, a lot uh, lot this year, uh, whether it's UNLV tournaments or the USAM. But sincerely, congrats on your, your great accomplishment. And I'm glad you stopped by the back of the range. I'll see you soon, bud. Thanks, Ben. Well, is that kid going to have a fun week or what? Good gosh. Thanks to Aaron Jarvis for joining me on this episode of The Back of the Range. Really hope he does well this week at the Masters and everything else that's coming his way. Don't forget, follow along on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Every single episode is available at thebackoftherange.com. That's also where you get your merch. Go support the podcast and all of the content that I create out on the road all year long. Enjoy the Masters, and I'll see you next time here at the back of the range.